630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. So I was looking through my work email this afternoon. Oh, there's a meeting coming up tomorrow. Delete that one. Oh, here's one from a Nigerian prince. I think you'll be okay without my donation. No, I don't want to buy cosmetics for the 15th time. Oh, wait, what's this one? What is this one? Here's a good one. With the topic hockey analytics. And the message is as follows. Hi, Reed. There has been a lot of debate about analytics on Oilers now recently. Can you use this one? Not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that is counted counts. Albert Einstein. And I double-checked. Apparently, Albert Einstein did check that or did say that. And by the way, if you want to email me, it's insidesports at 630ched.com. I like that. There's one for a T-shirt. Or just keep that, maybe you could get a little placard on your desk or just keep it in your head and pull it out at appropriate times. Not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that is counted counts. I like that. Apparently Albert Einstein said that. Thank you to the uh, anonymous emailer who sent me that. I did did, uh, write that person back thanking them for the email and hopefully uh, we'll get a name from them or who knows, maybe they'll even call in. But uh, there we go. I like that one. Not everything that counts can be counted, and not everything that is counted counts. And I guess if you look at hockey and sports, it's hard to count leadership or work ethic. I I suppose you hope they turn out in wins that you can count, but it's hard to uh, measure someone's desire or how hard they're working. One thing that I have found, not every team that loses a lot of games is a lazy team but a lot of teams that aren't very good are actually trying as hard as they can but when you reach the highest level of the sport trying really hard against other guys that are trying really hard but who are just better at their selected sport you're probably going to lose most of the time and not everything that is counted counts i like that part too because we've seen in analytics they, they count everything. They count shots. They count shot attempts. They count blocked shots. Sometimes they don't include blocked shots. They count high danger chances. They, they, they count everything. And th- there is a point to me where you got to weed through it and decide what you're going to emphasize and still look at how things are actually playing out on the ice, on the field, on the court, whatever sport you're talking about. Obviously, we're kind of focusing mostly on hockey. And this text clearly this or this email i should say and this emailer is uh, i would think specifically relating to some of the discussion around duncan keith this week and uh, i i guess duncan keith would have some abilities that can't specifically be counted if you look at his uh, leadership and intangibles and ability to play like a little bit of a bully sometimes and all that kind of stuff anyway i like that one Oh, wow, we got somebody calling in already. Paul is eager to go on the hotline powered by CertainTeed, professional-grade building materials, 780-496-0063. Paul, go ahead. How's it going, Reed? I'm doing well. What's on your mind? A uh, question for you. Has there been any update on the Barry negotiation from the Oilers? No, I don't have one. Why do you ask? Well, I know we gave Duncan Keith a whole bunch of money, right? And we're looking at um, some other defensemen but we have a guy that 
ended up not only the highest scoring defenseman on the team, but the highest scoring defenseman in the NHL. And then arguably quarterback the number one power play last year. Why would that not be a priority? Would you think it's term is the issue? Well, Tyson Berry said at the end of the season, and I know this was a few weeks ago, but he said at the end of the season he wants to shop around. So if if he decides he wants to explore free agency, then he's going to do that, right? So you got to remember, for a player at that point in his career has some power. And last year he decided he wanted to be an oiler, and he got to be an oiler, and I think now he wants to look around and see if he can get a longer-term deal. I don't know if the Oilers have made him a very specific offer, um, but he said at his end-of-season availability that uh, he'd be looking around. Doesn't necessarily say, like, same with Adam Larson, right? Like, it seemed like Adam Larson was probably going to be back, sign an extension, and now he's going to go to unrestricted free agency. And you got to remember, with Duncan Keith, the Oilers did not offer him that amount of money. That amount of money is coming with the contract that he is being traded with him from Chicago. True, but they still have to pay it. Yes. And do you not think that there was some great chemistry between McDavid and Barry and Dreisaitl and that old number one power play unit? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the Oilers the last two years have had one of the best power plays of all time. Once with Oscar Kleffbaum on the point and once with uh, Tyson Barry on the point. And I, and I would think if Barry was back, he was going to continue that. That's not the knock on Barry, though. The knock on Barry is how good is he in his own end? And he's probably average at best. So I, I think that's why he's an interesting player to talk about because he helps offensively. He's not as good on the defensive side of the game. Is he worth to you, Paul? Like, let's say Tyson Berry wants six years at $6 million a year. Would you go there? Yes. Okay. He's 30. Duncan Keefe's, what, 37? He's 38 tomorrow. Yeah, I, I agree, and I, I have I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of trepidation, if that's the right word, about the Duncan Keith uh, trade because I, I wonder if that money you know could have been spent somewhere else if they had decided not to make the trade. They are getting Duncan Keith as much for his intangibles as they are for his actual hockey playing ability. But I exactly. think exactly, and I'm not knocking that. I'm not Reed. I'm not knocking that deal because it's only yeah. two years. But I'm just saying, if all these other teams want Barry, I mean, we make him an offer. And again, I don't. I don't know how far down the 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 road. I, I assume the Oilers have put something out there at some point, or maybe they think he's not coming back, or he's going to look around, or maybe. And here's another thing, to remember, Paul. Maybe they think Evan Bouchard can do that job just as well or better, if not this year, maybe in a couple of years. Jury be out, but hopefully. Yeah. No, it's a good question. Thanks, man. Thanks. That's Paul checking in on Tyson Berry. If you would have asked me at the end of the season, I would have said almost no chance Tyson Berry was coming back. I think it still might be lingering out there a little bit. Stoffer, who, uh, you know, has been right about other things involving Tyson Berry in the past. That pains me to admit that, that Bob was right about anything. Uh, but, you know, he's he hasn't been as um, firm lately about Barry not being back. It seems like there's a little window of opportunity there. But I'll say this. I, I would never fault a player if he wanted to explore free agency, whether it's Tyson Barry, whether it would have been Nuge who decided not to, if Larson decides to do it. 
I realize hockey players are incredibly well paid, but hey, why not make as much as you can? And if a player thinks he might be able to do that somewhere else or have a better living situation, be closer to family, whatever it is, I think uh, I think any any pro he or she should have the opportunity to do that. I get Paul's question about Barry. The power play was awesome. I, I mean, especially what it took Barry about 10 games to get going. He wasn't shooting the puck a lot at first. He wasn't as confident distributing it. Once it got going, yeah, I mean, it was awesome. It's an awesome power play. And Barry was a part of that. Colton writes in, he says, I think the Oilers are going to be fine without Barry. If anything, we should be going after Lawson Krause from Arizona. Good third liner. I want my Oilers to be big and mean and bully teams. That's what wins in the playoffs. We already have enough skill with Nugent, Connor, and Leon alone. We need the grit on this team and size. That is from Colton. You know, I... Well, I've never been a huge Lawson Krause guy. Now, again, I didn't see him a lot this past season. Uh, maybe maybe it's just the fact, because I think he went, without looking it up, I think he went 10th overall. Did he go that high? And, and I think uh, for a while he didn't quite live up to that. Where was he drafted? 11th overall in 2015 by the Florida Panthers, and he's on his second team now. Uh, and uh, this texture says, Hi, Reed. I listened to Ken Holland, and he mentioned that Duncan is 37 years old a lot, and now you are saying that he turns 38 tomorrow. Yes, he does. I hope that's uh, actually, yeah, July 16th, 1983. So he turns thir- 38 tomorrow. Um, I, I said that earlier in the week. I said that several times that he's turning 38. I've, I've, I've tried to frame it that way since his birthday is so close coming up here. I guess when Ken Holland said he was 37, he's technically correct, but he does turn 38 tomorrow. John says, Reed, I think Adam Larson is coming back. He's just not going to sign until after the expansion draft so they don't have to protect him. That is from John. That is possible. Bob and I talked about that a couple of days ago. I put forward that very theory. Uh, Bob said he would prefer to take Ken Holland at face value and Ken Holland basically said Adam Larson is still thinking about his future so there we go great email not everything that counts can be counted and not everything that is counted counts back in a couple minutes Okay, Dan writing in. He calls himself the stone guy east of Camrose. Now, Dan, I hope you didn't leave a D off the end of stone. (laughs) Camrose, wonderful community. Camrose Kodiaks were a powerhouse in the AGHL back when I was covering the league. Just talking about players' salaries in general, he says, when is it time to ask yourself how much is enough? Millions of dollars over five, six, or seven years. I don't get it. Well, I'll tell you something, Dan. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, we, we know, and it has been this way for a while, pro athletes in the in the big leagues, like, you know, the big four, the hockey players, the NBA players, uh, NFL players, Major League Baseball players, certainly quarterbacks in the NFL, uh, make a lot of money. They are the elite in their profession. They make that money because the teams have the money to spend on them. 
And why do they have that? Well, because there are fans and corporations that will give those teams money to uh, buy tickets and watch the players and meet the players and buy corporate suites and all that type of thing. Uh, look, the, the NHL players are in a union. I, I would They would certainly be encouraged to make sure the salaries are comparable to players of the same skill set. And look, as a human being, if you were if you were offered a lot of money and then you were offered a lot of money plus one, wh- why not take the plus one? That's that's how I look at it. I mean, it's just it's kind of that. I don't like. I don't mean to be sarcastic, Dan. I, under, I understand what you're saying. Like, if you're making, you know, as you see these quarterbacks sign, you know, Mahomes got what it's going to work out to about fifty million a year. Like, could have he got by on 40? Probably, but the Chiefs are saying, hey, man, we're going to show you that that's... I mean, part of it is a a declaration by the owner that we think you're that good and that important, and the the players think... All pro athletes are alpha males, have, have alpha personalities. It's not just the males. I mean, the, the, the high-level women athletes too. So they want to, they want the most. They want to be the best. And if they can say, even if it's for a one- or two-year period, that they were the highest paid or they set a new standard, I think that they, uh, they want that notch on their belt as well. John says, which category does the question, how many beers have I had tonight, fall into? Things to be counted or things that don't count? Well, you guys are trying to bend my brain with some of this stuff. My goodness. We got Fred on the line as well. I feel like I'm being pulled into another dimension. We'll have to, we'll have to get data from Star Trek to answer some of these. Fred, go ahead. Hey, I kind of like the last one there, but uh, what a great day for me. The almighty Iron Maiden has released a new song off the new album. Duncan Keith, you know how excited I am to have Duncan Keith in Edmonton read? I might even go buy a jersey. I haven't done that in years and years. Oh, really? Oh, I love Duncan Keith. And now people are saying that for too much money. The guy's got three cups. He's got a couple Norris. He's got a couple gold medals. Con Smythe in the dressing room in the playoffs. It's when he's going to be invaluable, don't you think? He's going to be in there. And I guarantee you, uh, at the season exit uh, interviews with McDavid and Drysdale. Holland might have put a little birdie in there saying, hey, if we get a guy like Duncan Keith, what do you think? Well, I think their eyes lit right up. And another intangible, players see a guy like Duncan Keith come to Edmonton, they're going to be like, hmm, maybe uh, wouldn't mind going to Edmonton. A guy like maybe Braun Assad out of Colorado. Yeah, we'll see if it has any further impact, Fred. Thanks for the call. I'm glad you're enthusiastic. Fred usually is, which I, I don't mind hearing that at all. Uh, this texter says, any rumors on Taylor Hall? I'd love to see him back. I, well, I read something on Hall a couple of days ago that the Leafs went, might be interested. Um, there was a lot of scuttle at the end of the season that Boston was going to keep him. Things tend, tend to change so much at this time of year, right? And hey, I don't mind you get talking about rumors or asking me about rumors, but things can, like, I mean, as we've seen with Adam Larson, I mean, there was a while we thought Adam Larson was going to be re-signed before the end of the season. And now it looks like he's going to go to free agency. Um, Taylor Hall or Zach Hyman is a debate that's been out there. If you could only pick it personally, I'd take Hall and, and I know Hyman's a really good player and the Oilers are, are linked to him in a report today by, uh, Kevin McGran of the, uh, Toronto star that the flames Canucks Oilers, perhaps one of the three front runners to land Zach Hyman. I mean, what would you pay Zach Hyman? And for how long is he worth like six times six, maybe what Tyson Berry would want. There's a whole other debate for the armchair GMs. We're going to bring Mooner on when we get back. 
you a canned ham whenever you sign up for the podcast. Former D-man Mark texts in to 780-496-0063. He says, I have no interest in overpaying and overterming Zach Hyman. He wouldn't be part of the core, and I don't want to overpay anyone who isn't part of the core. Hyman won't be a discount player. He's at the peak of his being able to max out his contract dollars. There's no way he'd take a short-term prove-it contract. He's looking to hit the home run. I'd pass on Hyman. That is from former D-man Mark. Zach Hyman identified earlier this season as uh, one of my mother's top five most hated athletes. I know that surprised some of you, but my mother can just decided she can't stand Zach Hyman. Who else was on the list? Uh, Matthew Kachuk was on there. Corey Perry. Though my mom actually said during the playoffs, I guess Corey Perry's okay if he's helping Montreal win. Uh, Patrick Reed was on the list as well. I can't remember who the... uh, other one on the list as well. I know my mom loves my next guest, who in the past I have referred to as irreplaceable, except the Red Deer Rebels have formerly replaced them. <laughs> as we welcome Cam Moon to the show. Didn't they make it official with Troy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I ain't quickly forgotten. They just... Yeah, you're not forgotten. Got me up the highway. They're like, get out of town. That's enough for you. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Yeah. The Re- we should clarify everybody. The Red Deer Rebels did not uh like put Cam Moon in an ejection seat and launch him to Edmonton. <laughs> Ran me right out of town. Yep. <laughs> uh but is it but good for uh is it is it Troy? That's his name, yeah, isn't it? Troy Gillard. Yeah. And he's got the job officially? Yes, he does. Yeah, he is okay. uh, he's taken over what used to be my office. Apparently, I left too much stuff back there, but whatever. I mean, that's Troy's problem now. We'll have to, we'll have to welcome Troy at Inside Sports at some point. That'd be yeah. a good guest, I think. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah. How are things, buddy? We uh, Well, we talked after a couple of the hockey games. We haven't seen each other, unfortunately, for a while. I know you've been popping uh, on my show and on Bob's show at times, and you were on after a couple of games with the Lightning beating the Montreal Canadiens. What did you think of the uh, Patrick Maroon and company denting the cup? Well, I understand that sometimes these things can get a little out of control. <laughs> so, so I can't say that like I'm, I'm overly shocked that the poor cup had, you know, some things done to it that you probably not what you want to see. But I understand how it can happen. I've, I, I totally get it. I'm sure it wasn't intentional, uh, but in the... In the euphoria that is the Stanley Cup championship and mix that in with a couple of post-game cocktails is a recipe for denting a cup. (laughs) And it happened and it's already repaired. The Stanley Cup has a Twitter account. I wonder if it tweets on its own or if somebody handles that for him. But... uh... Yeah, didn't somebody leave it on a like leave it on like a a street corner way back when? Like lots of years ago? Like... We should find somebody. I mean, there's got to be books and hockey historians out there. And I know online you can find a lot of stuff now, but we should get somebody on just to talk about the top five uh, most, what would we even call it, most notorious incidents involving the stand. Well, they might not be able to say those. We probably don't know those. But, yeah, I mean, you you read about when it was, because it used to be, what, about a fifth of the size? Because originally it was just the bowl, right? 
and yeah, it yeah. would get left behind. I think one guy's mom was growing flowers in it back in the 1910s or something like that. Sure. Yeah, there, there's some amazing stories. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's, hey, these these things can get out of hand, and and it it looks like it did. I bet it was one heck of a party. Would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, so you were doing play by play for the Rebels in 2001, 20 years ago when they won the Memorial Cup. Yeah. Do what? What's the procedure? With the Memorial Cup, do players get a day with it? Is the team in control of it? Does the does the CHL stay in? And I believe the shape of the Memorial Cup, it would it be not be a little more awkward to kind of hoist and do all those kinds of things? Give me the lowdown here. Well, now that's a long time ago. So I, I think the protocols have changed since. But after the 2001 win, we just it just came on the bus with us. Because the Memorial Cup was in Regina that year. And instead of flying to Regina and then getting a bus there, we took our own bus. So we took the Rebels bus there so we could have our own bus. And then it's whatever, seven and a half hour drive, which by Western League standards is not that bad. So the morning after the championship, that thing just rode right on the bus back to Red Deer. And then there was a whole pile of people waiting in the parking lot at the rink, and it came off the bus at that time. And then it just stayed in the office for basically the whole summer. Um, any of the players that wanted to have pictures with it and stuff could, but none of like they didn't get it for a day or anything. I don't know what they do now, but like that's that's a long time ago now. But it just basically sat in the office um, for the entire summer until it uh, went back to the Canadian Hockey League. Did you guys do, did you get to have it for the home opener and the banner raising? Do you remember? I know I'm really asking you to go back to your younger days because you were barely 20 calling games back then. Okay, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not hiding my own Easter eggs quite yet. So there's that. Um, I don't know if we had a banner raising. I don't know if the cup was there. might have been. And then, then that would have been probably it at that point. Like, then it would have went away. But there was, like, all sorts of photo opportunities. And quite honestly, a lot of fans, when they'd come in uh, to the office in the summer, would want pictures with it and stuff. And it, it did go to a, a few places around Red Deer, as you can well imagine. Um, you know, certainly that first night uh, when the team got back, it uh, made a bit of a tour. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's when it would have been most at risk, shall we say? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'd say it was it was highly at risk at that point. Yes, yeah. I, I remember the the radio station uh, wanted a couple of players on the day after we got back, and I was like, "Are you sure?" Yeah, we want them to come on the morning show. They said, and I'm like, "Like you realize what's happening? Like they're going to go out tonight and." So, like, I can get them there, but, like, at that point, I'm washing my hands of this entire thing. <laughs> and and it was unbelievable. Colby Armstrong was one of the two players, and, and you know, God love him. He showed up on time. Um, I mean, they had to get a ride there, which they did, which is good. It's very responsible. Uh, but, yeah, that was, uh, was an interesting uh, radio appearance. Let me put it that way. Uh, do you well? Do you want to put it any other ways, or are there any details you could offer? <laughs> Might have been a letter or two to the CRTC after. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. That's that's it fair is enough. Deepest regret. Yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
I I understand what you're saying because I've been lucky enough, uh, even during my my tenure here on Inside Sports, that the U of A Golden Bears have captured I think three national titles since I've been the host. It's at least two. I think it's three. And uh, the as you know, the U Sports Championship game is usually played on a Sunday afternoon, yeah. and uh, you know then you get in touch with the, uh, the the media relations person, the sports information director at the U of A, and say, hey. You know, it's Reed. Uh, you know, I've had Ian on throughout the year, or, or when Serge was coaching, and had a lot of players on throughout the year. Congratulations! Uh, I'd love to get a guy on the show, uh, a guy or two on the show Monday night. And usually, the reply has been, uh, "We'll try to get somebody Wednesday at the earliest." <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's just yeah, that's uh, that's being very cautious. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a little behind the scenes story here. Um, now I can't remember which title it was, but there was uh, one year the Bears uh, won the title out east. This would have been in the last five or six years, obviously. That uh, one of the players, because of his condition from the night of celebration, was not allowed on the plane back to Edmonton and had to get a later flight. Whoa! Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, that's putting in a shift. He, he made yeah. the most of it. <laughs> that's putting in a shift. I, I love these sayings you have. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, like that's uh, that's that's uh, that's something. Like, and I'm I'm guessing like that person probably never heard the end of it because you know you gotta you gotta pay the piper the next day. Like, if you're gonna go out and you're running with the big dogs, that's fine. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. We got to be able to pay that piper the next day, and apparently that person could not. So, I'm I'm guessing they took a little bit of heat for that. And I believe that player was it is it is fifth season, so that's quite a way to go out as a Golden Bear. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we did not plan on spending this much time uh, talking about uh, drunken celebrations. So let's be honest, because sure. that, you know this is this is boil it down to what we're talking about. I want to ask you about something else. Uh, okay. I want to touch on goaltending. As yep. you know, I have been calling it the National Goaltending League for the last few months. Um, I know people are sick of that. Uh, but Sebastian Cosa of uh-huh. the Edmonton Oil Kings. Tidy little season. 17-1-1 with a 9.41 save percentage. Now, I know they didn't play everybody in the league, but the previous year he was 21-6-3 with a 9.21. He is projected to go in the first round, actually likely to be the second goalie selected because there's a uh, Swedish goaltender by the name of Jesper Wallstedt who uh, might even go in the top five, depending on some of the projections you look at. Kind of unpredictable with the goalies. But I was interested to see that uh, McKean's Hockey, and you're familiar with them, Cam, they're a yep. scouting service, and they do their own rankings. They have Sebastian Cosa as their 19th-rated prospect for this draft. The Oilers are drafting 19th. I know officially it's 20th, but they're going to take the 19th player because Arizona has a forfeited pick there along the way. The Oilers yep. have taken two other goaltenders in the first round. Grant Fuhr, eighth overall in 1981. Uh, I think we can say he was good. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Devin Dubnik, home run there. Yes. A bit of a home run there. Uh, yeah. Devin Dubnik, 14th overall in 2004, was showing signs of becoming a franchise goalie. Started the 2013-14 season uh, very poorly, to be frank, and was traded. And then for about six years with other teams, was a franchise goalie. Mm-hmm. I wonder. 
uh, I wonder. I, I just just because some some teams don't want to take a goalie too high. There's some risk. We have seen it pay off in spades, though, for some teams. I'm just wondering what you think of the philosophy and Kosa in particular. Well, I, I like the philosophy. If if you think, if you if you're really all your eggs in that basket, this guy's going to be a guy. Like he's going to be a number one goaltender for you, and and it might take a little while, but there is risk. And I look from 2008 to now, the amount of goaltenders that have been first round picks, and it's about a 50-50 proposition uh, if they're going to turn out to be really good or or kind of not at all. So for every Andre Vasilevsky, there's a Mark Vicentine. You know what I'm saying? Like right. So it's it's when you hear scouts say that it's risky. If you look over the course of the last how many years, yeah, it is. And I do realize that the the four goalies in the semifinals were all first round picks, but only one of them has been a first round pick in the last you know ten years, which was uh, Andre Vasilevsky at 2012. Barlamov was uh, 2006. Mark Andre Fleury was 03. Carey Price was 05. So. You know, three of those four, it, it it was a while ago. But again, I understand that it's it's a bit of a risky proposition. I'm not against it at all. Uh, I, it's the most important position, and I know I'm biased that way, but it absolutely is. You watch the NHL playoffs every year. Uh, goaltending can win series and can can win cups. Uh, I was also looking at uh, draftprospectshockey.com. Uh, Their rankings, they had Kosa 24th. So, what did McKean just said, 19th. So, yeah, right yeah. in kind of that. Yeah, once you put the the European players and the North American players together, so right in that um, wheelhouse. I, I would love for him to be available at 19th when the Oilers pick. I've talked to... Uh, a fair bit of NHL scouts here in the last little while. And, and kind of the feeling I'm getting is he might be gone before 19th. So that might not, it, it might not much matter once the others are picking if he's already off the board. So, I, so I, I've heard a lot of guys that really, really like him and they should, they really should. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to see him over the last two years, probably play about 15 times. And, and what I've seen there is a guy that's in complete control, that's confident, uh, that yeah, there's not the ups and downs, really good rebound control, side to side is very strong, everything, everything. you And there's a polish there. Like, there's a polish to his game. It doesn't look like most junior netminders. Uh, that it's a little more scrambly. Uh, the rebounds might be a little more leaky. It might rely on athleticism a little bit more than technique in some cases that's not the case with Kosa although incredibly athletic his technique is is really strong and granted this year with him just playing within Alberta uh, and I think it's fair to say three of the five teams were near the bottom of their cycles mm-hmm. uh, in Red Deer, Lethbridge and Calgary so when they played Medicine Hat I, I thought uh, the Oil Kings had a pretty good test there but the other three teams, they just Edmonton's at a, a higher point in the cycle, and as a result, those those games weren't always very close. And Edmonton, I mean, really, the Oil Kings have just a, they're a really good squad. They're gonna be a really good squad going into this year too. 
Uh, and I think Costa is going to have, have a huge part of them being very good and also have a great year. So I hope he's yeah. at, at 19. I'd love to see him in an Oilers jersey one day. Mooner, can you hang on the line and come back after the break? Oh, for sure I can. <laughs> quick, quick time out. More with Mooner. Okay, so Brad has written into the show. He says, in 2014, when the Oil Kings won the Memorial Cup, my sister's son was on the team. The Memorial Cup and the WHL Cup, that, well, that's what, the uh, Chanelth Trophy Mooner? Yeah, uh, Trophy, yeah was brought to his house with an Oil Kings employee. So there's a little insight because uh, we're talking about, what were we talking about? Damaging trophies. And if you got the, a day with the Memorial Cup. So yeah, I guess if you live in the city of the team you play for, you want to go get the cup for a day, they're probably not going to, there's probably just a big sign out sheet on a clipboard. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Just pick your day. It's- it's not as controlled as the Stanley Cup, which also has to fly all over the world. Uh, Louis says, it's so hard to say on Duncan Keith, if he plays two years, is he worth the $11 million? I agree with you about his mobility. The game is fast, and it feels like it's a younger NHL than an older NHL. The speed these guys get going is ridiculous. I really hope Holland spends $25 million well. He's in charge and knows stuff we don't. So until we see it on the ice, nobody knows. Holland made us... Better with Duncan Keith, but $11 million over two years is a lot to play, pay for experience, etc. That's a fair text, Mooner. Uh, I think Duncan Keith can help. I am worried about his mobility, and I am worried that sometimes with older athletes, and I know he's in incredible shape, but sometimes the drop-off and the end come quickly. And I'm not n- knocking the guy because I know he's going to be in great shape and I know leadership and intangibles uh, can make a difference. That's kind of where I sit. Holland decided it was worth it. Some of our armchair GMs uh, out there might or not. That's fair. Uh, I know you touched on a bit with with, with Bob today, but anything you want to re- reply to from Louis' text there? Oh, I, I think uh, the Oilers have been able to add a guy that's going to play top four. Uh, they were able to do it for... Uh, a guy who may turn out to be a, a solid NHLer, but right now was a healthy scratch in the playoffs. So I, I don't think the cost was real high. Yeah, the cap hits a bit of is is significant for sure. The actual money is not, but um, so I understand from Chicago's point of view on that deal uh, that like, listen, we paid all the money, you know, like we 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 paid just about the whole thing. So you're gonna have to take that cap hit if you're going back the other way. Um, I, if I look at the Oilers' defense, and and I'm saying if Adam Larson resigns, and I'm hoping he does, um, and if he does, I, I think the Oilers' D looks better to me than they did a year ago. I just I, I think it's a better group. I think it's a, it's they're just more set up for success. So I, and okay, again, we'll we'll see in the fall. But uh, I'm very optimistic on this deal. Mooner, you are a great man for coming on the show. Hope we can do this again next week. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> Let's do it. There we go. I would love to have you. Cam Moon, play-by-play voice for Edmonton Oilers. That was fun. Eddie Steele's going to check in after the news. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.